This is Birth Confidential with TJ. Thanks for listening to Birth Confidential. I've really enjoyed all your feedback. If you like the podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. It'll really help me out so the podcast is able to be found more easily. This week's episode is with a listener of the radio station I work for, KS95. She reached out to me, said she loves listening to the podcast and wanted to share her story. And I love that. So please, if you have a story that you want to share, you can email me, tj at ks95.com, or you can always reach out to me via Instagram at TJ Radio. This episode does come with a warning, though. She talks about her experience with postpartum depression. It's very raw and very real. Some of the things she says may be a little hard to listen to, but also very, very relatable. If you are going through or have gone through postpartum depression, there are some F words in here. So I definitely would not recommend listening to this particular episode with little ears around or in public with the volume loud. Also, the point of this episode is to show you that you are not alone. And if you are going through something like this, know that it does get better and that it is okay to ask for help. My husband and I met, oh, I don't even remember what year. It's been a long time ago, but we got married in 2004 after dating for what seemed like 4 million years, but it was maybe like five years. (laughs) Um, So we got married in 2004 and then our first baby was born in 2005 and our second baby was born in 2006. And that was a very, very big surprise. Our son was six months old and I found out I was pregnant with our daughter. Yeah, a lot of tears were shed. A lot of tears. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So did you plan your first pregnancy? Yes. We decided that you can look at me and I'm pregnant. So um, (laughs) shortly after our wedding, I actually got pregnant, not planning to. I went off the pill and got pregnant like two weeks later, Um, ended up having a miscarriage, Mm. which was super traumatizing. And then, um, you know, you're not really supposed to be able to get pregnant, nor are you supposed to have a baby right away. Three weeks later, I was pregnant again with our son. I really didn't think I could get pregnant, you know, because I had just had a miscarriage. So I called my doctor and I'm like, you know what? I think I'm pregnant. And she said, there's absolutely no way you are not pregnant. I'm like, I really think I am. So she had me come in and sure enough, I was pregnant with our son and I ended up actually having a really kind of a scary pregnancy. I bled pretty much my entire pregnancy. And then when I was about 29 weeks, I actually went into labor. Oh, no. Wow. Yeah. So they ended up being able to stop it. um, But then I was on bed rest Uh from 29 to 37 weeks. And at 37 weeks, I asked if I could go back to work. And I'm a teacher, so, you know, I don't have a job where I sit. I'm constantly on the go. And at that point, I was teaching kindergarten. And my doctor said, okay, you can go back, but you'll probably work for, like, a day. And then you'll end up having the baby. I'm like, fine, don't care. I went back at 37 weeks and had him at 39 and a half. (laughs) So I ended up going full term after all of that bed rest. But so when they put you on you know, bed rest, you have to, you can't get up at all, right? Like you have to. So 
mine wasn't quite that strict. So I still did things around my house, but I was pretty careful. Mm -hmm. Um, he told me that I could leave my house like once a day. So I would try to go to target. And as soon as I would do a lot of walking, then I would start having contractions. Then I resorted to going through the Culver's drive-through once a day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got it. The best custard ever. Right. And I would have a hot fudge sundae. And then I gained five pounds in one week. (laughs) And my doctor was like, you know, maybe you could have a sundae every other day. I'm like, well... I'm bored. So what are you going to (laughs) do? I watched the entire series of Sex and the City back when you had to go to Blockbuster Mm. and rent the DVDs. Yeah. That was my my bed rest entertainment. Nice. Good times. Right now, I mean, I don't want to wish this on myself, but I'm like, I remember my single days. I would just binge watch every series and lay in my bed and get up whenever I want, have some wine. Oh, those were such nice days. When your kids become teenagers, though, you sort of get back to that. Yeah, I'm going to be real sad when she gets to be a teenager. It's very sad. I don't enjoy it one bit. Mm. <laughs> I'm meant to apparently labor children because I, my water broke at home and um, I went to the hospital like an hour and a half later and I was dilated to a six and hadn't oh, felt a thing. Yeah, so... I got an epidural and like three hours later, I was pushing. That's crazy. That went so fast for you. It did. It was really fast. Pushing was not so easy. Um, I'm super short. I mean, I'm 5'1", and I was gigantic. My belly resembled a large torpedo. From the back of me, you could never tell I was pregnant. It was all just straight out the front. And we started to discover when I was pushing that he was a big baby, big for my body anyway. And so they started talking about taking me in for a C-section and I didn't want to. And they started bringing uh, more people in. So there was my husband. I had my best friend, my doctor. There was like four nurses. And then they got this old school midwife in and she was yelling at me <laughs> like oh, you know she's like I want to see this baby's head I'm like oh my god and I'm sorry <laughs> oh my god where, where did she come from I, I don't know I think that they were starting to be at that point where I either needed to get him out or they needed to do a c-section and they knew that I didn't really want one Um, but I was falling apart. You know, I just, I was tired. I just, they had turned my epidural off. So then I was in distress because I could feel more than I wanted to feel. At one point they started using the vacuum on Mm him and it flew across the room. Like they lost grip on it and it flew across the room. No. I would nope, die. Really, oh my yeah, God. It really, I know. <laughs> so after an episiotomy and a full tear, I finally got this baby out and he was eight pounds, three ounces and 21 and a half inches long. At that point, you know, they were kind of taking care of me and I don't know if I can say a bad word, but you can say a bad word. I heard, I heard my doctor say, Oh shit. (laughs) That's never good. I'm like, am I okay? (laughs) 
<laughs> you never want to hear your doctor say, oh, shit. Oh, right. And so I apparently I just wasn't stopping bleeding, but they got that under control. And then um, they tried to sit me up in bed. And I remember saying to the nurse, I don't feel well. Hmm. And I passed out. So then I came to and I had oxygen on me and whatnot. Yeah, this is all so familiar. Right? I know because mm-hmm. I listened to yours and then um, I was in a chair a little while later and they wanted me to go to the bathroom and the nurse said, you know, do you think you can do it with just me? And I'm like, I don't know. So we got up and took two steps and I remember saying to her, I don't feel well. And the next thing I know, I am in a chair again with these bright lights over me and some sweet nurse saying, honey, do you remember what happened? And I said, I think I was sleeping. And she said, no, you weren't sleeping. So my husband said I turned completely gray and just went down. And he said a nurse caught me under my arms and like whipped me back into this chair. Um, Then from that point, I was not allowed to get out of bed because I kept passing out. So why did they ever say why? You know, I did it again with my daughter. So they think that it's just how I reacted to an epidural. Did you have to have a blood transfusion or anything? I did not. No, I, I was okay. You know, after that, our hospital stay was pretty uneventful because I wasn't allowed to get out of bed. They took the baby and I didn't have him until the next day, the next morning. I was the only one in the OB unit, so they just took him. It's interesting to talk to different people um, because I think it really depends upon where you are as to if they take the baby or leave the baby. I mean, the, the story I like to tell that I give my husband a hard time about to this day, I woke up in the night and I was so, so hungry and I couldn't get out of bed and I, my husband was snoring away and he would not wake up. So I started taking things off of my bedside table and throwing them at him, trying to hit him and wake him (laughs) up. And he was not waking up. And pretty soon I'm crying. And I felt horrible, but I finally called the nurse and she came in and she's like, why are you crying? I'm like, I'm just so hungry. And all I want are those pop tarts across the room. That's funny. (laughs) She's like, why didn't you call me? But I'm like, I felt horrible calling you to get me a pop tart. Pop tart. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But so anyway. Y'all go home then at normal time, right? Yep. Yep. We did. He was um a perfect baby, never cried, slept all the time, only nice. cried if he needed to eat or be changed. Yeah, like slept through the night at about a month old. And then you know, it kind of got to be where he was great, but I was not. So that's kind of where the whole thing started to kind of go downhill. And, you know, I think before you have babies, you know that postpartum is a thing, mm-hmm. but um, it, it was such an interesting experience for me. I just, I was just really weird. Like I did not want anyone to touch him. I didn't want anyone to hold him. I had super weird anxiety. Like I wanted to start hoarding formula and diapers because I had this irrational fear of what if I get trapped in our house and Mm -hmm. I can't feed him? 
Like that makes absolutely no sense. You know, you just get in the car and drive to Target and buy more. And it's like, in my mind, I knew that that made no sense. However, I, you, I just could not get rid of all of these thoughts, you know, and I started having a lot of anxiety about going places if he wasn't with me because I was afraid that something would happen to me, you know, while I was gone. So, I mean, all of these things just kind of continued. And one night my husband and I were staying in a hotel. He had to go out of town for work and we went with him and I called a friend on the way sobbing. And I'm like, I am petrified of going to this hotel because what if, you know, something happens while we're there, you know? And she's like, what, what do you think is going to happen? I'm like, I don't know, but what if I run out of diapers? What if I run out of formula? And she's Mm -hmm. like, well, then you just drive to Target and you get more, (laughs) you know? And it's like the rational part of me knew that, but I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't get past all of those weird things. And so finally I did end up going back to my doctor and um, he put me on an anti-anxiety medication and I was okay, you know, within a couple of weeks and then we were great. But then of course, fast forward six months and I'm now pregnant again. Your hormones were out of control. Right. And we were using birth control at that point and obviously something failed and you look at me and I'm pregnant. So I was at dinner with a friend and I, I really can't remember anymore what was going on. I don't know if I was spotting or I don't even remember anymore, but I was telling her about it and she said, you're pregnant. I'm like, I am not pregnant. She's like, no, you're pregnant. You're totally pregnant. I'm like, I am absolutely not pregnant. (laughs) So we had our dinner. I'm driving home and I just can't quite stop thinking about it. So I decide I'm just going to go buy a test. I go home. I take it. I throw it on the bathroom counter. Just go about my business. (laughs) Come back like a half an hour later and it's positive. And I was like, no, it sat on the counter for too long. You know, like it's wrong. It's not accurate. So I took another one, (laughs) Yeah. two lines instantly. I'm like, no, no, it's not, it can't be right. (laughs) I know. So like three tests later that are all positive, I am sobbing. I haven't even told my husband. I called my best friend bawling. I can hear her husband in the background. What's going on? She tells him he's laughing. I'm like, tell him this is not funny. So anyway, the next day I call in sick to work. I decide I'm going to the doctor because these tests are all faulty and I'm absolutely not pregnant. Well, I am. So we have no idea you know, how far along I am. So they're guessing and thinking I'm about seven or eight weeks. They do an ultrasound and there is no heartbeat. So at that point, they said either, you know, the dates are off and it's earlier than what they thought, or it's not a viable pregnancy. So at that point, they tell me to come back in two weeks so we can do another ultrasound. So longest two weeks of my life, but um, I really felt like it would be okay. That was my gut feeling Mm -hmm. and went back two weeks later and sure enough, it was fine. What did your husband say when you told him that you were pregnant? He actually handled it much better than I did because he's like, we were going to have another one anyway. So here we are. I'm like, but 
I'm a teacher and I'm a planner and this baby is due on August 27th. No teacher has a baby at the end of August. No. That's just not what you do. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so he actually handled it much better than I did. And it took me a couple of weeks to kind of come to terms with it all. And, but I mean, it was a super, super easy pregnancy. And so my son, you know, came at 39 and a half weeks and I hit 39 weeks with her and woke up one morning and I never went on bed rest with her. I was all good. Um, woke up and I just, I didn't feel good. And so I called OB and they're like, well, come in, we'll just, you know, hook you up, check you out, see what's going on. And I got there. And one thing I learned is I could never tell when I was having contractions. Like I just felt like I was having one long menstrual cramp. I could never tell. So I was having contractions every like three minutes and I was dilated to a three and I was like 80% effaced and they're like, great, you're in labor. I'm like, excellent. So <laughs> my neighbor came to take my son and my husband was going to come to the hospital and then everything just stopped. So my doctor's like, you know what, just go home, take a walk, you know, come in later this afternoon and we'll see where you're at. So I'm back at OB, I'm all hooked up, everything's going and then everything again stops. So my doctor's like, yeah, you know what, go home, sleep for a few hours, we'll see you in the middle of the night. And I wake up in the morning and I'm still pregnant. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'm not having a baby. Um, so fast forward five days and I'm still pregnant. And I called my doctor and I'm like, look, my parents both work full time. I need someone to watch this six month old while I come in or year old baby while I come and have another baby. Um, and it's now a Saturday. He's like, you know what? Come in tomorrow. We'll break your water. Let's just have a baby. Like, excellent. It's the Minnesota State Fair at this time, which is my oh, very favorite yeah. thing. So I said, I'm going to the fair today. And he's like, okay, maybe all the walking will put you into labor. And, you know, You're it's so not brave tomorrow. going to the fair <laughs> while that pregnant. Hell right? to the no. Never. Just was like, whatever. Was it hot that day? Oh, heck yeah. No. And we brought along a 15-month-old, because why mm -mm. not, right? No, you're a better person so <laughs> than I am. No way. <laughs> Hell no. So I'm walking around the fair, and I happen to run into a coworker, and she's like, what in the hell are you doing? Exactly. You just, are you having a baby? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, I'm having a baby tomorrow. <laughs> Today, I'm just coming to the fair. So anyway, the next morning comes, my mom comes, we go to the hospital, they break my water. So nothing happens for four hours, not one contraction, not a thing. And the nurse is like, well, you can have the epidural now. I'm like, great, let's do it before things go down. So I had the epidural and then in about 30 minutes, I was beside myself. I'm like, why is this hurting so bad? You know, I said, I'm not supposed to be able to be feeling things. I'm yeah. uncomfortable. I'm starting to cry. And the nurse is like, well, let's just check you. I was a 10. So I went from a four to a 10 in like 30 minutes. Oh my God. So she said, you know, even with an epidural, when you go that quickly, it just, mm -hmm. anyway, it was, it was a much faster 45 minutes of pushing. She was here 
easy breezy. When you were pregnant the second time after you were having all the postpartum depression and then you were immediately pregnant, did that affect your pregnancy? I mean, because you're already hormonal and emotional anyway. So did that carry over into your second pregnancy? Surprisingly, no. I actually had to go off of the anti-anxiety medication because it was one that's not safe to take while you're pregnant. Um, But I did fine. But then unfortunately, it was really soon. I mean, it was, I think the day after we came home from the hospital, I started to go downhill really fast. Um, My best friend was my neighbor. We built houses next door to each other. And we would always walk across our yards and like meet in the middle and stand there and chat. And we were walking and she's like, oh my gosh. And she was in the delivery room with us, but I hadn't seen her in a couple days. And she's like, oh, you look so good. And I looked at her and I said, I fucking hate her. And she's like, who do you hate? I'm like, I hate this fucking baby. And she's like, okay. And I went from having this perfect baby, my first one who never cried to a baby that all she did was cry like hours and hours on end, I basically would not take care of her. So for probably about a week, my husband fully did everything. I, yeah. And I I felt like I was kind of like a toddler, you know, like when your child is small and they start falling asleep and then after they fall asleep, you try to sneakily get up and go Mm -hmm. do something. I'm a super independent person, but I wanted him like by my side at all times. And that's totally not who I am. And he would, I would fall asleep and he would try to get up and I would wake up and I would just burst into tears. And my doctor's like, okay, we need to start you on something right now. So he started me on something and said, you know, I want you to come back in a week. We're going to check in again, see how you're doing. So after that, I diagnosed myself with MS. Um, I was having panic attacks and I didn't realize that this is what was going on, but the entire left side of my face would go numb and then my left arm would go numb and then my left leg would go numb. I was fully convinced that yeah. I had MS. Did um, you go see a counselor or, or get any kind of therapy for that right I away? I didn't at that point. I Did you recognize my, what it was? Like mm-hmm. I think that I I knew what was happening, but I think that it was so much that I I mean it was just a struggle to truly make it through the day. Like people were wanting to come and visit and I was telling them no, you know? And I, I remember telling one of my college roommates who wanted to come over, I said, I can't have you come here and have you tell me how cute she is when I don't even like her. I'm like, I can't do it. Did you ever feel like it was dangerous for you two to be together alone? So fortunately, my husband's company at that point, he got three weeks off as a new dad. So he was home. Yeah. So he was home with me that whole time. Good. Yeah. Um, By the time he went back to work, things were, I was back to taking care of her. I still wasn't great, but I was much better. But I just, I kind of learned that I needed to have a schedule. So every day I would be like, okay, these are the things we're going to do. You know, today we're going to visit 
so-and-so. I set up a lot of things where either people were coming over or I was taking the kids and we were going somewhere just to keep me busy. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so like one day we were supposed to get together with my cousin and one of her kids ended up having a fever. And that was enough to just throw me over the edge. Like my husband had to come home from work because I'm like, this is what I was supposed to do, but now we can't do it. And I don't know what to do. It's almost like robotic to where you don't have to be fully present. You just have to get through it. Just get through it. Mm -hmm. Correct. And that was very much how it felt for a while. Now at that same point in time, I was continuing to bleed more than I should have. So I had to go back in and it turned out that I had retained placenta. And it's supposed to be this very easy, you know, go in, have it done, go home within a couple of hours. And that didn't work. Like I still was bleeding. So did they not Um, get all of the placenta and the DNC? That is what it turned out to be. But fast forward eight hours and I am still in the hospital. And they have tried all of these different things to try to get me to stop bleeding. And at this point, I'm hysterical. And my doctor is a family practice doctor. So I had to have an OBGYN, you know, take care of all of this. But my own doctor happened to be in the ER. And he came to see me and I am sobbing, you know, and he sits down on my bed with me and he's like, it's going to be okay. And I just said, I fucking hate her. And he said, who do you hate? I am like, I hate this baby because if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't be going through this, you know, and that, and at that point he was like, okay. You know, he said, we need to reevaluate everything that we're doing for you. You know, he's like, what's going on right now in this bed will be fine. But he said, we need to make sure that you are fine. I think he changed some medications and he started having either he or his nurse called me like every couple of days just to check in. That's awesome. Yeah. But I mean, now, you know, I'm still in the hospital. It's a Saturday. So they end up having to get their whole OR team back and they bring me back in for a second DNC in the same day. Oh my gosh. That's horrible. Yeah. That was my fear. I even asked my OB, I was like, did all of the placenta come out? She's like, yep. See, she holds it up and shows me. I was like, cool. I don't really need to Great. see that, but thanks for <laughs> confirming. <laughs> right. We just slowly started moving in the right direction, but she, she cried for probably four hours straight every night. Was she colicky? You know, you would think. I like to say no, she was just bitchy. I mean, I took her in so many times. She had no reflux. She had, she just was never content. How was your relationship with your son at the time? It was good. I mean, I think truly sometimes he was what kept me, but we made it. And, you know, it was probably, I would say about when she hit maybe two months that I feel like she was still crying all the time, but I was in a good place. Mm-hmm. And then I hit that, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I ever felt that way. You know, like mm-hmm. then I was really able to look at that big picture. Um, 
but still having that baby that cried all the time. I, I remember thinking, you know how you always think as a mom, like I could never hurt my baby. Yeah. But having a baby like that, you could kind of say, I could see how it could happen. If your mental health isn't okay and you have postpartum depression, I hope that other women listening to this are like, okay, you know, like I'm not alone. It's okay that I feel this way, but you have to take a step back, you know, and let someone help you or seek help or get help. Right. So, you know, you don't harm your baby, but that right. it's great that you were able to recognize that and get the reinforcements and get the help that you need and tell your doctor how you were feeling and right. to avoid those kinds of situations from happening. Right. And, and at that point, I truly didn't know anyone who had experienced what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so it was hard because I did feel like no one really understood. Mm -hmm. But now fast forwarding, you know, my kids are 14 and 15 years old. I now though have been able to help so many other people make yourself a schedule of what you are going to do every single day. And maybe it's the teachers in us. We're just very routine yeah, people <laughs> all these years later. So many of those things are just still such raw emotions and just, I mean, now she's 14 years old and it breaks my heart thinking that I felt that way about her. We hit the point where all she ever wanted was me. And then I was at that point where I loved that. <laughs> Yeah. You know, she never wanted my husband. She only wanted me. She was kind of a hot mess until she was probably almost five. I always say she had two moods. She was either sobbing hysterically or the happiest baby or child in the <laughs> land. Yeah. Finally, when she went to kindergarten, she kind of pulled it all together. And now she is the easiest teenager I've ever met in my life. Wow, really? <laughs> Yes. But my super easy boy, he is now my worst nightmare. So, you know, <laughs> I didn't know that I was going through postpartum depression when I was doing it and I lost friends. And once I got on medication, it was better, but it wasn't until I started hearing other stories that I was like, okay. And I think women should know that it's very normal that it happens and that you just have to recognize it and get help for it and whatever help looks like for you. Absolutely. And I, I, I do think that, you know, reaching out to people is so important and it was a very hard journey and I don't wish it upon anyone, but I can say that it's been beneficial in the sense that I've been able to help other people through theirs. And I think too, there's that stigma sometimes about medication for your mental health and, yeah. I had times as she got older that I was like, okay, I'm, you know, I would go to the doctor and say, I just, I think I'm going to stop taking them. And he's like, let me put it to you this way. He said, if you were diabetic, you wouldn't just stop taking insulin. And that yeah. was the best analogy for me because now 14 and 15 years later, I still take an anti-anxiety medication. And had I known what I know now, even in my teens, I should have been on something then, mm -hmm. but I just, I didn't know. It's okay to take those medications and it's okay to take them for your whole life if you need to. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about how much power your brain truly has over you. Half of your body went numb from a right. panic attack. 
right. I mean, our brains are so very powerful and sometimes our brains need a little help just to keep it on track. But I'm glad and, you're doing much better. Yeah. And I hope that people listening, if they're going through something similar, that they reach out for help and and don't Always. feel bad or feel even feel guilty for feeling that way. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not really your feelings. It's just right. your hormones yeah. and all of that just taking over your body. So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I love birth stories. So. <laughs> <laughs>